Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. Today I'm doing something completely different and it's the first time I've done this, but I'm very excited to interview Jessica and Jessica's <laughs> with me. And I'd like Jessica, Jessica, could you introduce yourself to us, please? Yeah, my pleasure. So, hello everyone, all you IELTS candidates out there. Um, I also have been teaching IELTS for a very long time, just like Fiona. Um, and I came here today to talk to you guys about the computer test, because I know how huge that is right now. We have some great resources for you guys, some free resources to start your preparation. Um, but before we get into that, maybe you don't know who I am. So I am the host on the IELTS Energy podcast, which you guys can also check out. Um, we have a YouTube channel, IELTS Energy TV. And if you are improving your English at the same time you're studying for IELTS, which you must be, then you can also listen to our general fluency podcast, All Ears English. That's fantastic. Thank you. I'll put all of those links at the bottom of the podcast. <laughs> so, so many links. <laughs> yeah, but that's great. It's really, I'm really, really happy and excited to have you here. And I've got some questions that my students asked me. Is that okay? Can I? Can Fun. I go yeah. Okay. Throw them at me. <laughs> well, I think let's just start with the, the computer delivered test because you've actually cool. done that yourself, haven't you? Yes. So um, in order to develop the best strategies, the best material for the specific test, because everything out there is made for the paper delivered test, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is great because it's all, it's the same test. It's all the same questions. So one would think the same strategies also work. And in general, that's true. But the computer version is different in some important ways. So I wanted to test out our strategies and make sure I'm giving the correct advice to students. So last summer, I actually flew up to Victoria, Canada to take the test myself, which was real weird because I was an examiner for 14 years. And then I was on the other side of the table, like at the speaking exam and like, in the room it was it was very interesting <laughs> that's, that's dedication that is right <laughs> yes my god yeah it was really fun so um while other students were kind of freaking out and like trying to answer the questions i was just like tapping around the screen testing out all the functions you know just being the spy on the inside. Um, so yeah, there are some important differences. And there are some things, guys, that I want to tell you not to use. Because a big problem with taking the test is distractions, mm -hmm. right? So the listening test tries to distract you by throwing out negatives, right? So it's like, what date shall we go to the party? And the other person is like, let's go on the 5th. No, let's go on the eighth. So there's those distractions. But on the test, on the computer version, you can click on a word to highlight, right? And then this little, this little box pops up and you could choose to highlight or take notes. Ah. And I'm telling students, don't take notes. Why? Why are you taking your head out of the exam to type more words? You're missing answers you're wasting time. Mm -hmm. So there's some differences that I think 
students should be aware of before they go in so mm -hmm. they don't lose time and get lost. Mm -hmm. So that's in the listening. The, the thing that really concerns me about it is that when I'm doing reading tests, I just love to write all over them, circle things. And yeah. obviously you can't, I know you can highlight on the computer yeah. test, but did, did, did you feel that was a real drawback of doing it online? I find it really weird to think that you can read and follow everything and online, yeah. you know? I think it's easier. I am like such a huge fan of the computer version now. I'm all on board for the computer version. So it's easier for a number of reasons. Because first of all, on the paper version, you're always flipping back and forth, right? Between like the questions and the passage. And, and I think that wastes time and is also distracting. And on the computer version, it's a split screen. Mm. So you have the passage on one side, the questions on the other side, and we're still using the same strategies, right? So instead of underlining something in the passage or the question, mm. you just double click and you highlight. Again, don't take notes. Mm. <laughs> just focus on the words on the screen, right? So you can, you can compare between the parallel expressions in the question in the passage. I think it's just much easier to do the computer one. And we've had students take the computer one and have like 15 minutes at the end just to go back and calmly check their answers. And yeah, I think it's way better. Okay, well that's great, that's, that's great to know. And so do you think students should be practicing on the computer instead of on paper now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you teach IELTS, right? I'm sure you're always giving this advice, like make your practice IELTS valid. Mm -hmm. I say that phrase all the time, IELTS valid. Like yeah. if you're practicing for writing, don't do it at work where you're doing like five minutes uh, like writing a paragraph on your coffee break and come yeah. back like no <laughs> you can't do that on the test so same thing goes for the computer version mm -hmm. if you're gonna take that test then you need to be practicing that version of it because mm -hmm. although it is the same question types they can be presented differently mm -hmm. like map labeling for example on listening and reading right sometimes we have to label maps yeah. so it's a different format on the reading test. It, it's presented as a table right. and you have to like click the right thing. So it could be confusing, I think, if you've never practiced that before. And, and are there already some websites that allow you to practice that online, do you think? <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah. There's some terrible ones. Yeah. So, I've done so much research into this, trying to like, cause we want to help our students, yeah. right? So I'm like looking, looking, trying to help people. Yeah. And from what I've seen, honestly, the computer practice that does exist is it's just, it's a person taking the paper version and putting it in some simple yeah. software, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so like, yeah, you're technically practicing on the computer, but it's not like the computer IELTS test. So we did actually come out with some computer practice. Mm -hmm. If you guys want to check that out, you can go to allearsenglish.com slash IELTS. Um, that's, but that's like paid stuff. But guys, we do have some great free resources with tons of advice. So again, if you go to allearsenglish.com slash IELTS, 
There are podcasts and YouTube videos and a bunch of materials you guys could check out for free, at least to get started sure. so you know what you're in for. Sure. Okay. And I've just got one last question about the computer test. Uh, is the writing part we haven't covered. Um, mm. My feedback that I got from some examiners suggests that the quality of the writing might be worse that's funny. Mm, but I don't yeah. know what to think about that. That is really interesting. And you, so you emailed me that thought like last week and I've been ruminating over it, trying to figure out why. And I do think it's um, like, it comes back to, to being distracted and thinking <laughs> about the wrong things. Right. So because we are so computer literate, people type way faster than they write by hand. Mm. And I think it's this like false attraction because students are like, oh my God, I could type 350 words for my task two essay. Yeah. And you know, if every time you see an essay, a task two essay that is over 300 words, there's going to be more mistakes. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's first of all typos, just making a mistake while typing. But then writing too much students are going off topic they're repeating ideas they're not following a clear structure mm -hmm. so their cohesion coherence score goes down because it's not logically organized mm -hmm. i think they're more likely to go off on tangents because they have time because it's mm -hmm. easier um and then they start running out of time perhaps because mm -hmm. they're typing too much and then they don't proofread so mm -hmm. i think those are probably the reasons why I would, I would be interested. What do you think, Fiona? Any, any thoughts on why? I agree with all of that. The, the other thing that has been suggested is that it gives you a kind of false sense of security because it looks mm. official. It all looks great when you type it out. Yeah. You're just not seeing the mistakes possibly yeah. um, that, that people are kind of, thinking well, well that looks great and then abandoning it without checking and all the things totally then. so that's interesting isn't it so pros and cons i guess yeah for sure <laughs> i and you know and as long as you as long as you guys are prepared listeners as long as you're prepared for the test you're not going to make those mistakes right that's the key is to find ielts experts that you can trust like mm -hmm. fiona like me and just follow our advice guys do not spend hours searching around the internet reading forums like answers written by students who are like, yeah, I got a nine. Trust me. First of all, no, that person did not get a nine. And second of all, like they don't know the test. So yes. no. So trust the IELTS experts, guys. <laughs> yes. Well, on, on that point then, um, I had some students um, submit other kind of more general questions. And I took maybe the top 10 let's say i don't know if we'll get through them all um but the most common questions i get and and the first one is the one that kind of frustrates me the most and it's can you give me some ielts tips <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, that is very frustrating. Um, we on on the IELTS Energy podcast, we we often will base like a whole episode around a student question, right? Yeah. Um, 
And, but not that one. So we're always asking students like send us specific questions. So yeah. guys there, it would be impossible for me to intelligently answer that question because it is too vague and the IELTS test is too huge. Yeah. Like there's no way you could just summarize general tips for the whole thing. So I'm yeah. going to say, <laughs> come back to my website, search for some resources, guys, allearsenglish.com slash IELTS and we have done 850 podcast episodes by now. If you go to our YouTube channel, IELTS Energy TV, gosh, there are hundreds of videos. I post a new one every single week. Um, Fiona also has a ton of great resources. So if you don't know where to start, start there and just browse. <laughs> <laughs> we feel bad. I'm sure you as a teacher too. It, we feel bad just saying, well, go to my website. I've put all my advice there. It seems like kind of a lazy answer, but that, you know, that is the truth of it. There's just so much you could say. And yeah. the question I thought you, you might get a lot is, um, do you think people tend to think that there is a strategy for IELTS and if they just follow the tips, then they don't have to kind of do the work there's a kind you know it's mm, yes oh for <laughs> sure oh my gosh the like i i feel like distraction is the the theme today um distracting oneself by magic yeah students are i mean we do this in real life too, oh, right? Yeah. Everybody's yeah. always looking to, to cut corners and to find that magic key so you don't have to put in all the work. Um, so, I mean, yes and no, there are strategies that you should learn and practice and use. And my advice to that point is find a system that you trust and only use that system because various IELTS teachers are gonna have different strategies. You can't combine them, just choose path, trust it and yeah. practice those strategies over and over again. Right? Like, especially for reading, there are specific steps you must follow every time and just do that again and again. And it gets easier. Um, so if, if one could make the test easy, that is what I could say, right? Learn the strategies and practice them again and again, but you can't just watch a video and get three tips and then be like, all right, I'm ready for my test on Saturday. It's up to you guys to put in the hard work and practice hours of practice, guys, where you do this stuff again and again. Yeah. So when you do go to the exam, you're calm, you're confident. This stuff is second nature. It's a habit. And you're not like panicked trying to remember something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing you just said there, I mean, for the reading, I get lots of questions. How can I tell the difference between no and not given? Or, uh, yeah. how, you know, the, the only answer is you just have to understand the language. And ultimately it's, it's a language that you're learning and that takes such a long time. And when you've exactly. got the language, then you won't need these strategies because you'll just see what the right answer is much more easily. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. And that's, and that's the other thing that like one of my, like one of our biggest sort of motivations for helping students pass IELTS is get it, getting across this message that it's not about the test, mm -hmm. right? Like it, you have to have a balance mm -hmm. in your preparation. So half of it. Yeah. Like you need to understand what you're graded on for writing. Cause that's very unique and it's not yeah. TOEFL. It's unique to IELTS. Right. Yeah. So you do need the test strategies and the testing skills, but mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to employ them 
if you don't have good English, it's an English test. So like our, our huge thing, um, like the study plan that we have, it, it's a balance every day you're learning IELTS and practicing IELTS, but you're also improving your overall English at the same time. Um, because also guys, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not learning English right now just to take the IELTS test. You're not going to stop after you take the IELTS test. This is a hurdle. This is an obstacle right now. And when you get past it onto your immigration dreams in Canada or your PhD in the UK, you still need English. Mm -hmm. So like, start good habits now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the other question is, it's always like, well, how long will it take me, you know, to get Mm. seven or whatever? And I just, I want to say how long is a piece of string, isn't it? I mean, it depends <laughs> on so many things, depends how many hours a day, your learner background, your, you know. Yeah. What, yeah, it just, just depends on so many things. But I, I wonder what you tell people who kind of might be losing motivation because it takes such a long time. How do you keep motivating people when maybe they've taken the exam a few times and progress seems to take such a long time? Oh, for sure. Well, I do encourage students to be um, very honestly self-aware. Why have, why are you stuck at that six? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and if, if we're honest with ourselves, stu- I mean, we teach adults, right? Like you guys are smart. You guys know, you could be like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess I never read a book. And it'd be like, mm, I never really spoke English out loud until I spoke to the examiner. So when you talk about these things, you're like, okay, well, let's develop a plan to tackle those gaps. There's that. But then also if students are really losing motivation, I'm like, just stop, honestly, stop for a couple weeks find your way back into English to where you enjoy the language, Mm. where you're watching movies you like, TV shows you like, right? Just sort of develop a different story around it. Because Mm. if you are taking the test again and again, you are reinforcing this negative story in your head, which is, I am horrible at English, I will never pass the exam. And that's not the story that you can have if you want to do well. So we have to rewrite that script in our brains first. So find a way into English that can motivate you again and then start practicing, but in a very honest way. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm sure you've seen this Fiona where students are um, good at speaking. So they'll speak a lot. They just practice that all the time, but they know their reading is really bad. So they never read. So I'm like, okay, you know, you're good at that. Still do that sometimes. But if you're stuck at, you know, like a five in writing, well, you need to do that like five days a week, right? (laughs) It's the thing you don't like. You're not good at Mm -hmm. it because you don't like it. So the thing you don't like and you're not good at, that's the one you should do more of, isn't it? But nobody wants to hear that advice. It's like asking for advice that you don't want to hear, isn't it? Totally. You basically know what you've got to do, but you just don't want to do it. I know. I mean... Yeah, completely. Like, because I still teach students on, online sometimes, and um, there's, you know, I wish it could all be like, oh, you're, yeah, no, you're, you're getting sevens and eights, no problem. But would they be in my class if they were getting sevens and eights? Probably not. So it always comes to a point of like, I have to be honest with you guys. <laughs> whoever I'm teaching and be like, no, your vocab is great. That's amazing. But 
you know, you have like 20 ideas in this one paragraph and you really need to learn how to brainstorm effectively, choose the best ideas. So yeah, I mean, it, we're teachers. We're going to be honest with you guys about your mistakes, but then you also have to be willing to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. and to push yourself in ways that you don't like if you're going to improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I always compare it to, I, I ran a marathon once, once. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But can you imagine when I did it, I thought, I thought, well, how can I run a marathon? And I know how I can run a marathon. I have to run, I have to train, <laughs> go out in the cold, run, you know, we know we have to do all these things if we want yeah. to get there. And we, but we just don't want to do it. So I never did it again, but you know, <laughs> it, it's not impossible, is it? I, I think at the start, it seems impossible that people who need the seven, for yeah. example, um, but of course it's possible, but it will require all those things that we just want, don't want to do and don't have time for. And it's yeah. having to make it a priority. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we teach, you guys listening out there, you're a busy adult, you have a job, a family, there's other obligations. But at the end of the day, like what is, first, like two questions, what is your priority right now? Mm. And second, I guess this isn't a question, it's a statement. This is a phase, it's not gonna last forever. So you have to be willing to be like, okay, for the next month, I am going to spend an hour less doing whatever I wanna be doing a day to work on IELTS. You're gonna wake up earlier, you're gonna go to bed a bit later. Yes. On your lunch break, you're not gonna like chat with your friends. You're gonna read a couple articles from The Guardian, right? Yeah. Like carving out this time in the day to make sure that IELTS is your part-time job right now. And that's just accept that. Just be like, that's the reality. It's not going to last forever though. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause there's a theory of just, you know, this idea, read things that you enjoy, read for pleasure. That's all great and stuff. But I think sometimes, no, just read these boring IELTS articles. I know. <laughs> that's what you have to do with the test. And you then, you know, you might find them really boring and not your interest but just read them understand them and just get it done basically exactly yeah. just get it done guys <laughs> oh well um speaking of kind of motivating yourself um a lot of people say well how can i practice my speaking by myself and that i think is a real problem oh for sure yeah, definitely. Um, if you guys aren't in an English speaking country, or even if you are and you're too scared to speak to natives, because that certainly happens all the time, um, you have to, first of all, immerse yourself in English as much as possible, right? Change your search engine to English, put your phone in English, whatever you do in your first language during the day, change it to English. Don't read the first language newspaper anymore, right? Like, what can you change? Change all of it into English if you can. Um, and, oh my gosh, guys, everyone has access to the internet. You're listening to a podcast right now. So you can find speaking partners online as mm -hmm. well. Um, Fiona, you have a Facebook group. I'm sure people can find speaking partners yeah. in there. Yeah, I, and I think there are quite a lot of organizations now online. I've got a page of on my on my website, a speaking page, and I've just found about six or seven, which I think are really reliable and trustworthy places to find speaking partners. I think it's yeah. always difficult to find somebody with the same kind of interests as you, same time yeah. zone. I think that's oh my gosh, yeah. going to be a problem. And 
again that motivation it's like having a pen pal isn't it you you start yeah. off with good intentions but it fades out but i think these i mean some of them are paid i think but but i think there are good places to find speaking partners online oh for sure and like um on that note about the paid stuff guys don't be clear about your goals before you're going into something you're paying for. So for example, if you sign up on italki or Cambly, that's great. You're going to talk to a native speaker. You can certainly get help with pronunciation and vocabulary, right? But don't ask for IELTS advice. That's not why you're there. If you're going if you want to have a speaking mock test and get advice, you need a teacher like me or Fiona to help you with that because we're IELTS experts. So native speakers are awesome, but that's for fluency and vocab and pronunciation, right? So that's the first thing, like be clear about your goals if you're going to pay for something. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing, guys, like talk to yourself. <laughs> I tell my students to talk to themselves all the time. And that's you. If that's all you have, that's all you have because it's a muscle after all you know you're, you're just yeah. flexing your muscles in your mouth you're getting used to those sounds and, and totally. used to saying things out loud just just repeating things like when you memorize poetry or songs it's, it's just your brain is telling your mouth to say those things so i tell mine to record themselves and, and yeah. listen back. I mean, you know your phone these days you've got so many recorded devices yeah. um so a lot of my 30 day speaking challenges they just say okay today you're just this one minute about um this topic and people say oh, i can't speak for two minutes on on one topic yes you can if you practice yeah. it you know record yeah. yourself and and just find ways of just going off on a tangent and i think that's where the ielts examiner experience comes in is that nobody cares what you're talking about in that two minutes <laughs> exactly even, even if you don't actually answer the question there's no test yeah. achievement score um exactly completely oh i just remembered something else fine just keep talking yeah yeah and, and that's, go on like like going off on a tangent like you're saying interrupting yourself like that shows fluency because that shows like that you can immediately reflect what your brain was do is doing with your words, right? And that's fluency is being able to narrate your thoughts in the moment. So that's great to interrupt yourself, right? Yeah. And like you said, that's um, students always like have trouble trusting this advice. I know, like you really want to depend on those bullet points in the, in part two. We're telling. I tell my students, don't even look at the bullet points. Yes. <laughs> we don't care, guys. Examiners no. don't care. I, when I was examining, I never read the bullet points. No. I was just waiting to hear what the student was going to say. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I try and say that the bullet points, and they're actually there to help the really weaker candidates. Exactly. Will struggle with ideas and language. So the, it's just to give them their best chance. It's not there for you to follow the prompts and. And funnily enough, sometimes when you interview native speaker, I don't that term native speakers, but um, they dry up after 30 yeah. seconds because there was one recently where it was describe um, a time when you dressed, you wore something nice. And, and, and there was somebody who just said, oh, well, on my wedding day, I wore a really nice wedding dress. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. Ten, ten <laughs> seconds. Um, and they they desperately looked at the bullet points and it was like yeah that was my wedding day and <laughs> it was a white dress that, and that was it you know yep. 
you don't yeah. even what else where did you eat where did you get married who did you get married oh my to? god Anything. so many details yeah. right um there's so many strategies that we've got that we've um taught in various episodes and videos like i i like the before during after strategy right so take that example like the wedding dress what were you doing before the wedding where did you get the dress how expensive was it who took you to the wedding what did you eat what were you thinking and then during tell the story of the wedding and then after where did you go <laughs> we need like we're big fans of like I always try to uh, teach students to tell a story in part two yeah. right like details yeah. context yeah yeah and even I think at the end if you're still struggling you can always turn it into well actually I hate weddings because blah blah, blah. yeah you know just something far more general it doesn't have to relate to that one day you know, uh -huh. always, you know, I never go to weddings. I much prefer uh, more relaxed, casual, you know, parties than, you know, just speaking generally really doesn't matter what you say. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we did one of our, um, most popular episode well an episode that I always tell students to listen to. Um, we did an episode about how bullet points break part two answers. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and so I tell you very clearly, I give you examples of why they're so bad and how they decrease your score. Mm -hmm. And then I, we give you advice on what you should do instead. So for further homework about what we're talking about right now, guys, you should check out that episode because it's really, yeah, it'll say very clearly what we're, what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Great. That sounds fantastic. I, I desperately want to listen to that. <laughs> I'll put it on my website as well. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I don't know how you're doing for time. I'm, I'm trying to pick out a few more. Um, how about vocabulary? Best way to learn vocabulary? Any tips for that? Yeah. So um, here's another place where students are always looking for magic, right? Um, I'm sure you've gotten these emails. Send me the IELTS vocabulary list. Send me the, <laughs> like, there's no IELTS vocabulary list, you guys. Um, so I remember um, something that comes back to me a lot in talking about this is this one just random point I remember when I was doing my master's, just like discovery is the best way of learning, right? So guys, you need to discover your own vocabulary for speaking and writing. Now, this is important as well. Mm -hmm. We're talking about speaking and writing here. This is productive vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Words that you want to use because you find them interesting, because they sound cool, because they reflect things that you enjoy talking about. Mm -hmm. So there's that, right? We have to discover our own idioms and slang that we really enjoy. But secondly, you do have to be very active and intentional about learning vocabulary. So I teach my students how to make a vocabulary notebook. Um, just 10 pages, right? Because you guys, our brains are a lot weaker than you think. We cannot learn a thousand words. We can't, you can't. <laughs> so um, like 10 words per topic, um, one page with like slang and idioms that you really like, right? Keep it simple. Again, this is productive, right? So as you're practicing speaking, as you're practicing writing, keep the notebook in front of you, Go slowly, make yourself use these words while you're speaking and writing. Because if you don't use them, they're not going to magically come up on test day. Now, mm -hmm. make sure, guys, that you remember this is different than, um, what is it? So active, passive, then passive vocabulary. And that's reading and listening. So what words are we 
reading and understanding. Um, we understand more when we read more. So guys, read all the time. Listen, listen to podcasts as much as you can. Do not write down every new word. No, that's a waste of time, guys. Um, what are you going to do with that afterwards, right? So just actively be reading and listening a lot. If you don't understand something, pause, stop reading, look up maybe five new words a day. <laughs> And the more you see it, the more you'll remember it. But mm -hmm. I think that's an important distinction between the passive and active vocab. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I think the, the thing about learning lists, I think as a tool, they're okay. But I often get mm -hmm. asked for lists of, or a list of phrasal verbs. You know, I show, you know, there's a book of about 50,000 phrasal verbs. Oh, God. You know. <laughs> And, and even if you isolated them into kind of common ones for the general training, for example, mm -hmm. you know, I get on well with my sister, you know, ones yeah. that you could throw in, that's only useful if you've seen that in context. So you can't just learn totally. to get on well. You, you can't, there's get up, get on, get in, whatever. Yeah. So, so having a list in that sense isn't going to help you unless you're seeing it in context, you're seeing it used you feel comfortable with using it yourself um exactly. and the, the slang i think there's a lot of slang words that i have to kind of tell people to tone down a bit because it's that question of appropriacy isn't it for those informal and formal letters do, for do you sure. have, we haven't really spoken about general training too much but do you have any advice on on that kind of use of informal and formal language yeah, definitely ask a native speaker before you're trying to use a, a new slang phrase because to get a high vocabulary score, you, you do have, well, in speaking, you have to show a range. So you do have to exhibit the ability to use formal and informal phrases, which slang is informal. But like Fiona said, it also has to be appropriate and used correctly in context. So do ask a native speaker before you test something out. As far as the general training letter goes, um, yeah, I mean, you have to pay attention to the context. So I'm not gonna use slang if I'm writing to a company. Um, so be clear on what is formal language and informal language. But there are also semi-formal letters. Mm -hmm. And in that case, it's we're using, it's a bit of a mixture, but it's still going to be mostly formal vocabulary. Like writing to your teacher would be a good example of a semi-formal letter. The person knows you, so it's not totally formal, right? But still, it's your teacher. So you're still going to be very polite and use formal phrases. I think the thing that differentiates it between semi-formal and formal is that you're going to offer a few personal details, right? Still using formal language though. So writing to your teacher would be like, um, I absolutely adored your lecture yesterday. I recorded it and have listened to it five more times since then. So it's a little personal detail in there that you probably wouldn't put in a formal letter. <laughs> so um, yeah, just be aware of context, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure, Go into Fiona's Facebook group, go into ours, whatever, um, and ask us first before you use it on test day. Well, yeah, I think that is a really important thing as well that, I, you know, if you're learning English through English, I mean, we're, we've got our websites are all in English. 
and obviously on our Facebook groups we're interacting every day in a, in a very natural way. So the other day, for example, one of my students said she was really ill on the day and I said, oh, you poor thing. And one of my students in the Facebook group kind of private messaged me and said that they felt that this was a really rude thing to suggest that somebody was poor. Oh no, oh gosh. Do, do you see what I mean? But the importance of interacting, if, I mean, he was great because he always took part in these Facebook chats because he was learning so much from trying things out. So That's awesome. You know, somebody had said this, and when as soon as I'd said poor thing, he was asking questions. He said, Can you say that? Is that that isn't that really rude? We couldn't tell somebody that they're poor, and <laughs> but you know, that is a perfect example of what you would use in a general training letter. Totally, you, you know, yeah. sorry to hear your news, you poor thing, hope you're feeling better, isn't yeah. it? It's almost something you can't learn from a book. You can only learn from interacting. And that is the benefit of having these private Facebook groups that we run um, and, exactly. and taking part and not just passively um, waiting for the lessons, but, but asking yeah. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, about. guys. Yeah. I mean, you have to be an active learner. You have to take loads of risks before exam day because you can't take any risks on exam day, guys. But before that, that's when you want to test out everything, right? So that's awesome. I mean, that that um, student exhibits the person who's really going to improve Mm. a lot in a shorter amount of time because they're stretching their brain, they're participating and engaged, right? Um, like you said, instead of like passively sitting back and hoping the information is absorbed into our brains <laughs> magically. So yeah, I think, um, I think that exhibits really positive learning behavior. Mm. Yeah, great. All right. I think I'm going to wind it up there. And unless, have you got any, anything you'd like to say just before we finish up? Yeah. So just to remind you guys, if you um, are interested in the computer delivered IELTS exam, I'm telling you, I've taken the test. I've done the research. There, there is honestly a lot of bad advice out there um, because there's just, it's so new that people haven't had time to develop strategies around it. Right? So Go to our website, allearsenglish.com slash IELTS and just search computer IELTS and you're going to get a bunch of amazing free podcast episodes, free videos that are very honestly telling you what you need to know about the computer IELTS um, exam. That's really, really helpful. Thank you. Because it's, it's something I've been kind of thinking I must find out. I must find out. But that sounds absolutely great that you've done it all for us. And it'll be... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for your time, Jess. And I hope we'll, we'll chat again, hopefully, on your podcast, I think, will be the next... Yeah. Time. So listeners, stay tuned because Fiona's going to come on IELTS Energy too. Um, and maybe it'll be like a, maybe it'll become a series and like a couple times a year, we'll do these cool crossover episodes. <laughs> that would be great. All right. Thank you ever so much for joining us, Jess, and we'll speak soon. Thanks so much for having me, Fiona. Bye. 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 -bye. Bye, -bye.